Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. Hi, and welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast. This week, we have Amber Beerson, Mathematics Subject Lead at St. Michael's Primary, C of E, Dorset, here to talk about the findings of a new report addressing the deepening digital divide from Oxford University Press. Amber, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I guess the first question I have for you is, what is the digital divide? Well, the digital divide is a term used to describe an aspect of our society, which many of us may not be aware of. I recently made a contribution to a report by Oxford University Press called Addressing the Deepening Digital Divide. That's why I'm here today to to talk to you. And Nigel Portwood in the foreword explained the digital divide as something where we've we've become very reliant on the use of technology for our personal and professional lives and this trend only accelerated during the pandemic those of us fortunate enough to have regular access to devices a, a reliable internet connection and a solid understanding of how to use digital tools effectively may not necessarily be aware that there is a divide in in our society and recognize its consequences. But for for millions of people all over the world, limited digital skills, access and connectivity can have a significant impact on teaching, learning and and ultimately opportunity and and social mobility. And and the digital digital divide is is nothing new. It wasn't a side effect of the pandemic. The pandemic just shed a, a harsh light on the reality that many people don't have equal opportunities because they don't have access to the internet or appropriate devices. It's no secret that there has been for over a decade a correlation between your income and access to the online world. The need for distance learning only widened that gap between children living in poverty and their peers. In in the Oxford University Press report, they spoke to teachers globally and 70% of them said that the most disadvantaged students lost learning due to limited or no access to digital devices. And in the report, the digital divide is explained with, with two problems. Firstly, that the lack of physical access to technology, whereby 68% of those surveys in the report said the biggest barrier to online learning was poor access. And then there's also the other side where there's a lack of skills in both learners and teachers. 56% of the teachers said le- said teachers and learners don't have skills needed to make digital learning success. And both of these prevent full engagement engagement with education. During the lockdowns and school closures, for me, I saw a wide range of challenges to home learning. And, and both of these problems were visible. In the first lockdown, we provided a week worth of structured learning with our own ideas and those from already set up platforms. But as the school closures kept coming, we had to adapt to our cohort-specific needs. My school decided to pre-record lessons and provide work to be submitted by the parents, which we then looked at and, and said back on. We, we chose to do this as we have families with limited devices and multiple school-aged children. Many of these parents were now working from home too, and the devices they had need to be shared out during the day. By pre-recording, we gave flexibility to our parents, yet we still had children unable to access the online learning as they didn't have any devices or access to the internet at all. We gave out roughly 10% um, devices to roughly 10% of our families during the school closures. This may have been the first appropriate device in their home or an additional device due to the high demand in the household. 
there were days where our SLT were knocking on doors, stepping two meters back and delivering laptops, which weeks before were being used for planning by the teachers. These devices were generally received by relieved parents and very excited children because they'd missed out on their learning, but also socializing in the only way that was left possible to people over digital platforms. To support the well-being, we Zoomed small, children, small groups of children to ensure they were still in contact with each other as well as us. And those, device, those without devices were missing out on this. They couldn't speak to their friends, which is a massively important part of social development in children. The OUP report supports this as they found that 32% of teachers said they were unable to adequately support learner well-being due to the digital divide. Uh, then there were other parents we now know of who went out and bought devices because they didn't want to ask the school for one. People assume in our very technology-based society, everyone has access to the internet, but the fact is some don't. Some choose not to, and others simply don't have the finances to. On top of all, on top of all these devices, there were weeks of teething issues for some families, pupils, and parents, where we simply didn't have they didn't have the skills to navigate the online world. And speaking to teachers, I found that for a long time, many of us added IT assistant to our resume as we called and spoke to parents through how to access the learning. So you mentioned really two parts to the digital divide, um, one part being access and the other part being skills. So I wanted to ask, what skills do students need to learn to be successful online learners? Well, it's impossible to recreate a physical learning environment on a digital platform. Face-to-face lessons are filled with small steps, questions and regular assessment points which inform the teacher of the progress of the children. This isn't always possible to replicate on an online platform. Misconceptions can easily arise, and when these aren't challenged, the gap widens and misconceptions grow. The issue is that we're unable to recreate a classroom on a screen. The digital learning environment, as the OUP says, is devoid of social nonverbal cues that teachers use to address early signs of disengagement. Therefore, we need to prepare children to be independent learners. Although class teaching remains a priority, a flexible hybrid approach that includes independent learning could deliver stronger attainment outcomes. The solution that the Oxford University Press report suggests is to change the approach. Remote learning doesn't need to involve being glued to a screen. It can also be a conduit to help children develop their independent learning skills and foster a sense of agency in their own education. We need to begin by sharing with our children what learning is. It's important that our children understand how we learn. Education is like building a house. We build upon previous knowledge, starting with a strong foundation. And you can't skip ahead to build the second floor before you've built the first floor. Children need to see each brick as a skill which builds on those before and the cement which holds it all together as the link between all the other learning they've done and will do. It's important our pupils know why we revisit learning and why retrieval practice is so important. In in my classroom, I talk to the children all the time about memory. And in a child-friendly way, I talk about the memory model, how we have our working memory, it's like our post-it note or our whiteboard that we use new information and previously learned information to process what's going on. And we have to do something with that new learning to move it into our long-term memory. And then we have to regularly regularly remember the information in our long-term memory to ensure it stays there. 
another analogy I've used is I like to talk about a, a bridge to a library. Every time you want to use that information, you go across a bridge and the, the bridge strengthens and you need a strong bridge to make sure you keep that information in your long-term memory or you'll be unable to access the learning. We also need to make sure our pupils are critical thinkers. We need them to question what they're learning themselves. We need them to ask, why did that happen? How does that link to what I already know? Good learners, no matter what the age, cannot passively engage with information shared with them. They need to immerse themselves in it. Finally, one that's most important for me is children, they need a growth mindset. They need to know that mistakes will happen. Sometimes they will find themselves in a dip and they need to push themselves through it. In my school, we work really hard to build growth mindsets in our children. It, it isn't a skill that you pick up in an afternoon. We need to ensure that the physical classroom and our children, uh, when they're in the physical classroom, they have the chance to make mistakes and learn from them so that they're more likely to do so when they're working alone. The OUP report says learners who feel in control of their own development are more likely to be engaged and invested in their learning, which can improve their confidence, motivation and sense of empowerment and ultimately their learning outcomes. I love that metaphor that you used um, that successful learning is like building a house, right? You have to do um, the the foundation before you move on to the first floor and the second floor. And it sounds like the skills that learners need to learn in order to be successful online learners is to first of all, be independent, um, right? To, to recognize that they have to go out and learn on their own, understand a little bit about how that learning happens. Um, and then to become a critical thinkers, right? So that they're questioning things as they're going along, not just sort of passively trying to learn things, but actively engaging the learning process. And that finally, that a big part of that is having this growth mindset, right? And being okay with failure. And I think that's lovely because I think all of those things really reinforce one another. And I love that this report takes the stance that online learning isn't just like learning in a classroom, but that it has the opportunity to do something a little bit different, right? That it's not necessarily that one is better or worse than the other per se, but instead that in-person and online environments can foster different sets of skills, right? And it can be um, appropriate in different types of settings, so I really, I, I love that way of thinking about learning as building a house. I'm going to use that with my students when I, I talk to them this semester. The children love it as well. The children really enjoy kind of imagining it. And there have been times where I've built houses with children, the learning that we're doing in, in that unit. Let's build the house and let's think about the links. It gives it something for them to visualize and, and grasp onto. It's also that, uh, that learning is collaborative. You know, you don't have to build a house on your own as well. And and part of moving to that kind of remote education or using online it can be a collaborative process of, as well for the children they can share the ideas that other children have and it's it's fostering good learning behaviors in the children overall right and i think it's important to, to understand learning as a process right and nobody expects to build a house overnight right so why would you expect to understand some concept overnight it, it takes time, it takes practice, um, and it takes hard work. But at the end, you have something really great that you have accomplished. So I think it's a really wonderful metaphor. I think it starts with modeling, being really explicit, and, and sometimes talking yourself through what you're doing. So if if you kind of model the ha building the house, so this, this unit, oh, here's my first bit of knowledge, here's my first skill. Okay, I've learned this skill today. 
and then tomorrow I'm going to come back and check on that skill, make sure that skill is that that skill's still there. But now let's add another skill to our wall, and and throughout the unit, modeling it for the children and doing it with them, and and speaking out loud, explaining to the children, share the secret. They they can understand how how we teach them as long as we put it in a child-friendly way have your house build your house or even your bridge every time you go back to retrieve some information um show them a bridge uh use um something like lollipop sticks every time we go back to look at the information let's add another lollipop stick to our bridge Our, our bridge is getting stronger and stronger and stronger the more we go back and review something and retrieve it from our long-term memory this bridge is going to be stronger so that in the future in five and in ten years we'll be able to access that knowledge and use it again so we've talked a lot about what skills learners need to to learn in order to be successful online learners but at the outset you mentioned that teachers also have some room to grow here so how can teachers help clearly we need to embrace digital education particularly in light of its potential to help pupils catch up with their lost learning however the challenge is to address the digital digital divide to ensure no one's left behind Uh, children and their parents need to be supported with more focus on digital skills one in two of the teachers um, that were spoken to with the OUP report said that the lack of parental understanding of tools and platforms limited the effectiveness of the support available to students it can be really easy to assume that the current generation are all digital natives, but using technology for entertainment is very different to using it for educational purposes. Teachers need to approach the topic sensitively and they shouldn't make assumptions about digital capabilities of parents or other colleagues. It's really important here to talk about the teachers. We've focused a lot on the pupils and the parents, but let's not forget that the digital divide also affects our teachers. When the pandemic began, teachers were forced to adapt their teaching to an online online format, which for many was alien and sometimes really uncomfortable. We were suddenly exposed and in the homes of our children, where some might have felt judged at first. It's similar to those days where you were being observed by another colleague and, and you feel their watchful eyes and it can it can make you tense. And and we we've all learned a lot. Um, an incredible amount actually about online teaching during the pandemic and I myself have always thought I was competent at using technology until the pandemic happened I was fortunate enough to to grow up in a a home with access to the internet and that did give me advantage over those that didn't and I I always thought my skills were were quite good but yeah I had to learn a new platform or my colleagues did and, and some of my colleagues they won't mind me saying that they didn't feel confident on a computer they didn't feel they had those digital skills beforehand so they had to quickly become proficient in in new ways of teaching um and also new ways of engaging children on these platforms that are very very different to a a face-to-face lesson and these skills that we've learned will quickly go out of date if we if we don't make an effort to keep them current so you've touched on a few of them already but what skills do teachers need to learn in order to be successful online teachers So technology is constantly evolving and it'd be a shame if teachers everywhere didn't get the opportunity to retain and build upon the harder digital skills that they got from the pandemic. Incorporating an element of online learning into the school day is one natural way of doing that to keep them in practice. Um, As I have said, we need to keep our teachers up to date. And OUP suggests a move from upskilling to always skilling educators. So as technology is constantly evolving, there needs to be an attitudinal shift from sporadic upskilling um which 
is at constant risk of that knowledge becoming outdated to, to always skilling in which teachers have regular training touch points in kind of a little and often model. Um, OUP also suggests that teachers rethink engagement. Uh, independent learning has its benefits for, for all students, but we need to prevent Zoom fatigue and, and rethink and get what engagement looks like in a digital setting. Rather than fixed objectives for a whole class, a teacher might invite students to set their own objective based on their own strengths and weaknesses, working in partnership with learners to give them a sense of ownership over their goals, going back to that independent learning. And in so that will increase their engagement. We also need to learn how to empower our pupils to be independent thinkers, how to have a growth mindset, how to learn. We need to show our teachers how to give them independence we need to practice it in the classroom and we also need to practice our digital skills in the united kingdom we have a computing curriculum um, and I've, I've taken a little bit of the, the purpose from the department for educational website which says the curriculum for computing needs to provide a high quality computing education which equips pupils to use computational thinking and creativity to understand and change the world the computing curriculum also ensures that pupils become digitally literate, so they're able to use and express themselves and develop their ideas through information and communication technology at a level suitable for the future workplace and as an active participant in a digital world. Um, for the for the benefit of of the Americans, <laughs> um, you you mentioned upskilling versus always skilling um can you tell me a bit about what upskilling means upskilling is to teach um teachers or employees in a company additional skills to expand their kind of capabilities um however that might not happen often enough especially not for technology technology or using different types of platforms um Schools may want to start always skilling, for example, giving new bits of information more frequently. Oh, here's an update on how this system works, or we're going to learn how to use this platform today because it could become really useful in your teaching of the children. Um, oh, here's a really good um, platform for you to use. It's just sharing more regularly with the teachers so that they don't feel left behind when if for example, we had to move to remote or distance learning again. They didn't feel out of their depth. We want to just keep them up to date in everything that's going on and, and touch base with them more frequently. Excellent. Okay, so that's pretty much what I thought the difference between upskilling and always skilling meant. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to double check. And that sounds like, um, I mean, honestly, that sounds much more in line with how we know learning happens, right? That mm-hmm. if you give somebody a one-off workshop and then don't touch base with them for two years, right? It's very unlikely that they're going to retain that much from it, um, right? Or that they'll be current on whatever's going on in that area. So this idea of always skilling, of sort of continually touching base, just refreshing your skills and sort of tweaking as you go along makes more sense in terms of what we know about how repetition, retrieval practice, and space learning works. And also in terms of just sort of staying on top of skills um for example online learning right what do you need to know about presenting online about the latest app or program right those are things that are going to be much easier to um stay on top of right if you're kind of continually touching base versus if you're going to attend a seminar once every three years Mm, that's right that's going to cause a huge gap thank you that makes that makes sense I think the pandemic has actually been very good for education 
um, in the sense that it's shown us just how important it is to keep up to date. And I do think there has been a shift to the importance of CPD and, and developing yourself as a teacher and taking some responsibility for your own learning too. So it's not just on the schools, but it's also on the teachers to make sure that they keep themselves up to date on the, the latest platforms and, and things like that. Right. It certainly caused a shift in terms of how we view professional development and how regularly we think that's supposed to be. Um, and we've used the term independent learners to sort of apply to students, but that applies to teachers as well, right? To, to take responsibility mm-hmm. for one's own learning and sort of regularly self-assess and to say, okay, this is an area that I think I need more development in, right? And so I'm going to seek out those activities. So the last question I have for you is, what was your role in the report addressing the deepening digital divide? What did you take away from it? As part of the research that Oxford University Press undertook, they wanted to understand how the digital divide affects education. And for me specifically, they wanted to include some teacher insights about how the digital divide affects children in primary school. So I believe in America, you call that elementary school. They wanted to know what the most acute issues were, how the pandemic had exacerbated and highlighted certain issues, and what kind of my recommendations would be to narrow that divide moving forward and how to teach effectively using a digital and hybrid learning in a platform in the future. Um, For me, the experience of writing about the pandemic was very cathartic. It gave me a chance to really reflect on what we as teachers had been through and how we had adapted and what our children and their families might have experienced. Because at the time, we were reacting to a major event. We were facing the problems of families without devices and access, but it wasn't until after the return to -to face-to-face teaching we were really able to reflect on what we had overcome. For me, the report showed us what is important for us to consider moving forward. Um, We've learned so much about the difficulties of using technology to teach, but also the benefits of how to prepare our students, teachers and families properly so we can use technology to our benefit to move forward move learning forward. Before this is possible, however, we must consider the recommendations that were made in the report. Um, And I've I've touched on many of them, but um, number one, a greater focus on independent learning. That starts in the classroom so that the children can take that and they can take it outside of the classroom and further into their lives, their skills that are useful in the future. Um, Second, to build that digital competency skills among educators, students and parents. And then target resources to bridge both ends of that divide. So um, those lack of digital devices, but also the lack of skills. Well, Amber, thank you so much for joining us and for telling us more about the digital divide um, and what learners and teachers need to do. I was, it was really great talking to you. Oh, thank you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me today. This episode is funded by listeners like you. To support our work and gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash learning scientists.